Truth Espresso, episode 204. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. This is Daniel Minnick, your host for yet another episode of Truth Espresso, and this is Truth Espresso Express. This is where I talk about something on my mind, talk about something that did a little bit of reading or studying about, or something based on interactions that I've had, something in the news, while I am driving to or from work. Now, 99% of these are when I'm driving to work. It's just that the traffic is better, and I have the benefit of not having all the software development stuff that I've done on the brain, and I can really focus. And so this is going to be part two of answering the question, was Jesus a socialist? And in the last part, we talked mostly about political structures, how socialism isn't just an individual principle of piety, that there is no really such thing as an individual practicing socialist. Now, someone might practice a bit of charity, do some kind of token, and then demand or expect somehow that this should propel others to do likewise or rather organize society such that it's no longer a voluntary thing. But there's really no voluntary socialism. (laughs) because you can really just call that free market capitalism with voluntary charity. And we saw that Jesus in his teachings, in his actions, never called for overthrowing structures and setting up some kind of socialistic structure. He did talk about voluntary charity. He talked about taking care of the poor. He talked about people being willing to give up a lot of their riches for the sake of the poor. There are some specific cases of that, which we'll get into when we get into some of the passages that socialists might use and claim that they teach socialism, but we will see that, in fact, they do not. Now, I want to get into how Jesus rather teaches more of a, you know, market-type society. At least his teachings function more in a market society. I just quickly want to address uh, the fact that Jesus specifically avoided being a, a leader of a revolution. Now, in his actions and in his teachings, he wasn't gearing people up to make him a leader of a revolution. But there were some people who were impressed by his teachings and miracles such that they wanted to make him king. They thought he was going to be the deliverer. Well, yes, he was going to be the deliverer, but not during this earthly ministry. Not before his uh, death, burial, and resurrection and ascension that he would do so at his second coming, but he has to have disciples who are willing to create the church, add to the church, 
build the citizenry of the kingdom alongside those who are of this world, to live in this world but not be of this world, to build the kingdom for Christ's return. And this kingdom is not of this world. It's diasporic, it's spread out as we build the citizenry. But Jesus specifically avoided being a leader of a revolution because after Jesus fed the 5,000 in John chapter 5, we have John chapter 6, and John chapter 6 is where we have the bread of life discourse. But after feeding the 5,000, it says that when Jesus perceived that they wanted to take him by force and make him a king, he left, he fled, he departed, he went to a mountain alone. He went away from the people who were trying to set him up because he had the power of miracles. He could have overthrown the Roman government and made a society that would act out his teachings, right? Well, no. So what kind of a socialist leader is it who refuses the opportunity to become a leader of a revolution if he's teaching a revolution? Well, one who is not teaching a revolution and is um, not teaching socialism, and therefore Jesus is not a socialist. I also think of when Jesus stood before Pilate. He made clear what I uh, said before. You know, Pilate basically told Jesus, aren't you aware that I have the power to execute you or not? And Jesus said, you have no power but is from above. But when Jesus was before Pilate and Pilate is asking him if he was a king, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world or of this realm. If it were, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be delivered to you. But they're not fighting and um, henceforth my kingdom is not of this realm. So think about that. He definitely wasn't a leader of a revolution because he said, if I were the king in the sense that you're thinking, then my servants would be fighting. But because my kingdom is not of this realm, then they're not fighting. They're not trying to prevent me from being delivered, which Jesus knew was completely unjust. He was innocent. Now, maybe that would be a lesson for the socialist revolutionaries that we see today. Think of the Antifa, the BLM, who are even recently trying to co-opt Jesus as one of their own with the He Gets Us campaign and Andrew Rappaport, uh, the Apologetics Live, and Rebecca from One Little Candle dealt with that. They covered that. So I would recommend listening to those shows for more information about He Gets Us, the campaign to make Jesus look like kind of a socialist critical theory revolutionary. But Jesus said, my servants are not fighting to deliver me because my intention is not to set up a structure, a socialist structure right now, to prevent me from being delivered, to make sure that everything is just, social justice. No, Jesus was not intending to overthrow structures and set up some kind of social justice. In fact, 
contrary to socialism, Jesus taught voluntary charity. We see give and it shall be given unto you. And if socialists would take the blinders off their eyes, they would see that you have to have voluntary ability to give charity for Jesus' words to be true. He taught about the story of the Good Samaritan. This was not a lesson on critical race theory or anything like that. And if the Good Samaritan were a socialist of today's standards, if he had pity on the injured man, he would be out campaigning... for some kind of government program or trying to get this man a government check and feeling the compassion of that, getting someone else's money to take care of the injured man. But the Good Samaritan put him on his own donkey, took him to the inn, gave his own money to take care of it. Not someone else's, not some kind of third party system, not some kind of government program but his own money that he earned. And that's voluntary charity, and that is not socialism. Now, what are some things that Jesus said that are kind of anti-socialist? Because it seems that Jesus, in some of his teachings, you can glean that Jesus not only wasn't teaching socialism, but he was teaching a form of meritocracy. You know, that boogeyman word that socialists treat like it's the big evil here. And I was reading an article in the Huffington Post by a Christian socialist named Peter Dreyer, and he brought up the verse where Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So, And then he, so he made the point, Jesus was clearly teaching against greed. Well, yeah, for sure, but what was the context of what he was saying? This was right after someone in the audience, when Jesus was teaching, basically yelled out to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And so this was likely a case where this man had a brother, and this was likely the older brother, because the older brother would get the inheritance first, or maybe the older brother would be in charge of dividing it out, but the older brother, the firstborn, or one who held the position of firstborn, would have a double portion of the inheritance. So however many sons there were, the oldest would get twice what the others would get. So likely this was a younger brother telling Jesus, tell my older brother to divide the inheritance. He isn't even giving me my proper portion. It could be that based on Jesus' teachings that seemed like equity, he's saying, hey, why don't you tell my older brother to give me an equal portion of the inheritance? Divide it evenly. It could be the case that he's asking Jesus to divide evenly, or it could be that the older brother's hogging all the inheritance and this younger brother is asking Jesus, will you please tell my older brother to do what he's supposed to do and give me my portion of the inheritance? But Jesus tells this man, who made me a judge or a divider among you? (laughs) Now that's a strange statement to a socialist. Jesus said, who made me a judge or divider among you? Who made me someone to determine how wealth should be divided? 
that doesn't sound very socialist. And he could be telling this younger brother, just forego this inheritance because, hey, if you're someone who believes in me and you're ready to be one of my disciples in ministry, you have to be willing to give that up. And that's the context of Jesus saying, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. One would think that Jesus would rebuke this other brother for hogging the inheritance, but he was rebuking the other one for demanding his portion. That's not very socialist. Also, for meritocracy, Jesus said in Mark 16, the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father. You know, he'll bring his angels with him and he will reward everyone according to his works. In other words, based on the things you've done for truth, being a disciple of Jesus, you'll get a reward for it. And that reward could be greater or lesser depending on the effort you put into it, depending on the good you put in. A lot of Jesus' parables teach this principle of work and reward. So let me get into the parables in Matthew chapter 25 because two parables there really teach this principle. They definitely do not teach socialism. There are basically two parables in Matthew chapter 25. The first is the parable of the five wise and foolish virgins. So the wise ones took oil in their lamps. They're going to a marriage uh, to meet the bridegroom, but they didn't know when the bridegroom was coming, but they had to be there. And so they took oil in their lamps to go there. But the foolish ones didn't bring oil with them. And then as they traveled, they had to lodge somewhere to uh, spend the night. And by this time, their lamps were getting dim. And so they had to trim their lamps so they could get a, a light again. But to get a light again, you have to pour more oil on it and light it. And so after the foolish virgins trimmed their lamps, they realized they don't have oil with them so that they can light them again. So they asked the wise virgins, to give us some of your oil so that we can light our lamps again. But the wise one said, no, because if we divided up our oil with you, none of us would have enough. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes socialists don't realize that if you demand that people who have, who were frugal, who saved up something for a rainy day or whatever, that those who have must be willing to give to those who have not, well, those who have, who have allocated for giving to the poor, they have to give to the poor, but if you force them to give what they've saved up for other purposes, well, then you could end up where no one has what they need, and you end up melting down an economy. But the wise ones, no, the wise ones said no, because if we try to socialize this, if we try to distribute our oil evenly so that we all have oil, there wouldn't be enough for anyone to get to the bridegroom's chambers. And what did the wise ones say? They told the foolish ones, go to the market and buy some oil. Go to the ones who sell oil and buy some. And so in other words, 
try to use the free market. Now, the point of the parable here is they went to do that, but it ended up being too late and they couldn't get in to the bridegroom's chambers and the doors were shut. So they had their chance, but they missed it. They should have been wise to prepare for their needs themselves and not rely on other people to take up the slack for them. And then the parable after that is the parable of the talents. And this one I think is really interesting because if you think of what the great Karl Marx said, now I'm not going to accuse anyone who calls himself a socialist or, you know, a democratic socialist of being fond of Karl Marx, but the principle still holds there with however great you want to apply his statement, but when he said, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. As I was reading the parable of the talents, Jesus said things that were not according to this. So, as Mark said, from each according to his ability to each according to his need, Jesus says, beginning this parable of the talents, he says that he gave one five talents, he gave another two talents, and he gave another one talent, and he pretty much literally said the same thing Mark said with some important distinctions. He said that this nobleman or this lord gave to every man according to his ability. So he gave to them. He gave to according to ability. It wasn't from according to ability. It was to according to ability. Because the ability was, how do you take this wealth and translate it and exchange it and invest and produce more wealth? So far from teaching from each according to his ability, Jesus literally in those very same words said to each according to his ability was given. So the parable of the nobleman's servants, the nobleman rewarded them according to their level of stewardship, not their level of need. So Jesus in this parable taught giving money for stewardship to everyone according to his ability. Mark's taught from each according to his ability. Jesus clearly taught the exact opposite using pretty much the same wording. So how could Jesus be a socialist if he was teaching the exact opposite of what Marx taught? Now we know the story, but if you don't, the one with the five talents used business savvy investments and traded in the market. Jesus uses a word that meaning like produce or trade in the market that kind of sounds like investments, even like stocks, <laughs> kind of like what we would have to gain five more. And then the one with two did similar and gained two more. So the nobleman rewarded these for their ability to be business savvy and produce more wealth. But then the one who had the one talent, now we would think a socialist would want to reverse this and make the one who got five become greedy and squander it. But no, the one who was given one talent, the fewest, was the one who was wicked and slothful, according to the nobleman, who buried his talent and didn't produce anything with it. And he said, you could have at least basically put it in the bank and let it collect interest. 
but you didn't. You returned what the nobleman gave him, but he was wicked and slothful because he didn't look to invest and produce. And also notice what Jesus says at the end. He says, Take, therefore, the one talent from that wicked and slothful servant and give it to the one who has ten talents. The one who had five produced five more. Take the one talent from the slothful servant and give it to the one who has more. (laughs) And in, in the Luke account, Jesus says, And they said, But, Lord, he has ten pounds. So Jesus is recognizing that people are shocked (laughs) because the nobleman took the one talent from the slothful one and gave it to the one who had the most. But Jesus is making a lesson from this. The one who can be responsible with much is the one to be praised. And then Jesus says yet another anti-Marxist statement from this parable. You know, he says those who produce more will justly receive more. So we have another statement that is completely against Marx's teaching from each according to his ability to each according to his need. He says, you know, the one who has to him, it will be given so that he has more. But the one who doesn't have from him, it shall be taken even what he has. (laughs) And you know what? This statement is not just a fleeting statement because it occurs twice in Matthew. So Jesus said this very same statement twice in his ministry earlier and later in Matthew. It occurs twice in Matthew, once in Mark, and twice in Luke. So five times we could see this statement where Jesus says, To the one who has, it shall be given, and then he will have more. He will have abundance. But then to the one who doesn't have, it will be taken. Now, of course, he's not talking about robbing the poor to feed the rich. He's talking about responsibility and stewardship. Because, yeah, we can't make that statement conflict where Jesus talks about feeding the poor and widows. But the socialist will define the poor and the widows and so on in such a way where you can't distinguish that state. You cannot distinguish the disadvantaged from the one who has little. Jesus can. Responsibility distinguishes the poor who aren't responsible and don't produce wealth and don't labor from the poor who legitimately are poor because they're handicapped and they can't work and so on. So there is a distinction definitely in the Bible and even in Jesus' teachings. Because, yeah, Jesus talks about rich people, how hard it is for them to enter heaven, and we could talk about that in another part. So Jesus clearly distinguishes between the wealthy who've gotten it by ill-gotten gain and the wealthy who are business savvy and are responsible with wealth and produce more. And that's righteous versus the wealthy who have it by ill-gotten gain. And Jesus also distinguishes between the poor who are legitimate legitimately poor and can't work and need assistance from the poor who are poor because they just aren't responsible and don't want to work. That is a distinction on both ends of the economic spectrum that the socialist refuses to make. So it's pretty interesting that there are two statements in Matthew chapter 25 here that Jesus says the exact opposite 
of Marx's socialistic teaching from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Jesus clearly, when understanding responsibility, that there is a responsibility to take wealth and produce more wealth, that he says, <laughs> from each according to his inability to each according to his ability. And now I have just parked in uh, the parking lot at work. And so look forward to the next part of this series was Jesus a socialist, where I'll look at yet another parable where Jesus taught market principles, voluntary charity, private property, contracts, and supply and demand. So you don't want to miss that. It's clearly not socialistic, even though there are socialists who would actually use this parable to try to teach socialism, we will see that it is clearly free market principles. So stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and also look forward to more Truth Espresso Express. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.